Bang! I'm having problems in my life, steady going through a thing Fall to my knees, begging please that my life would change My life has been good, but still it bores me Nothing this time to start, jacking this door, gaining Something cause blacks are killing blacks, I got to hustle while I can Don't depend on the money so that's the Dayton family going through a thing, and it seems like we're all going through a thing, especially now, whenever we've been on lockdown for however long it's been, and you see on the news all the time that it's China's fault, and I feel, and this is my personal belief, that this is the start of what is to come as spoken of in Revelation. And I will talk about that later on in another podcast. But this is episode two of what I started this morning. And this one is going to be called 12 Traumatic Effects of Stress on Your Brain. You can find this and all the other information using whatever web browser that you so choose to use. Um, Right now I'm using Firefox, and it's on BeBrainFit.com. And like I said, this is something that I shared with the kids that I worked with before I quit the hospital due to COVID-19. And the way it was being handled or lack thereof. So anyway, let's do a brief rundown of the human brain under stress. You can also Google that too. There are three key brain areas that we are going to discuss today when under stress. You have the medial prefrontal cortex, which is in control of decision-making, your working memory, self-regulation of behaviors, such as mood and impulses. When it's under stress, um, it shrinks and deteriorates, and it loses synapses. When it's healthy, it helps shut off the stress response and helps regulate you. The second part of your brain is the hippocampus. It is in charge of daily events, spatial memory, and mood regulation. It shuts off stress response as well. And whenever it's under pressure, it shrinks neurons, it loses synapses, and it reduced neurogenesis, which if you know anything about words, genesis means regeneration, and neuro means your neurons. So your brain under stress is killing your neurons. When you're stressed, you're killing your brain cells. Bottom line. When you're uh, stressed out, the amygdala, which is the third main area of your brain, and that's in control of anxiety, fear, aggression. It turns on the stress hormones and increases your heart rate. When it's too stressed out, um, hypertrophy of neurons, and increased synapses, and it increases volume and activity. So if you've ever heard the term fight or flight, your amygdala, when under constant stress, as we will read, is in rapid fire. It's like a machine gun always going off and you can't ever tell if you're in real danger or not because your fight or flight response is no longer at its baseline therefore your brain is not at its baseline and therefore your behaviors your thoughts your moods aren't at their baseline 
And you're probably acting irrational and thinking paranoid thoughts at this time. So this segment, again, is to discuss what happens with your brain while it is under stress. Again, this is called the 12 traumatic events of stress on your brain. And I will read this to you. It's from beefbrainfit.com. Stress is a modern epidemic. The human body is not designed to be in a state of perpetual stress and to continue to stay healthy. An alarming 90% of doctor visits are stress-related health complaints. Did you know most of the time, and this is a side note here, that whenever you're feeling body aches and pains, it has something to do with stress. It has nothing to do with the joints in your muscles that are aching or that back ache that you feel. Most of the time, it's because you are stressed out. And if you do not figure out how to let go of stress, then it's a good chance that you're going to have hypertension, cardiovascular disease, and other ailing events in your lifetime. It may not make it to see your grandchildren. So that is something when we talk about goals later on that you may want to set a goal for I know this morning I said we shouldn't look to the future but if we don't look at the now there is not going to be a future and that is the whole point of what I had to say this morning so back to the topic stress not only makes you more vulnerable to everything from cancer and the common cold it also negatively impacts your brain The dangers of stress and excess cortisol. There are two main kinds of stress. Acute stress and chronic stress. And despite what you may think, not all stress is bad for you. Acute stress is the reaction to an immediate threat, commonly known as the fight or flight response. Once the threat has passed, your levels of stress hormones return to normal with no long-lasting effects. Some degree of acute stress is even considered desirable as it primes your brain for peak performance. Epinephrine, also known as adrenaline. Sorry. Um, let's see. Let me turn that off. Here we go. Epinephrine, also known as adrenaline, and neuroepinephrine are stress hormones produced on an as-needed basis in moments of extreme arousal. They help you think and move fast in an emergency. In the right situation, they can save your life. They know... They don't linger in the body, dissipating as quickly as they were created. And cortisol, on the other hand, streams through your system all day long, and that's what makes it dangerous. So cortisol is the dangerous hormone. The stress hormone has been called public enemy number one. Excess cortisol leads to a host of physical health problems, including weight gain, osteoporosis, digestive problems, hormone imbalance, cancer, heart disease, and diabetes. Cortisol also takes an equally high toll on your mental health by changing the structure and function of your brain. So if you're already facing things like excess weight and heart disease, chances are your doctor said that you may need to change the way you eat, and that is true. But something that also helps is to monitor the stress in your life. 
keeping up with the Joneses or the Jeffersons or whomever the Kardashians may be in the century is not a good idea. You should be focused on yourself. Be you. There's only one of you. So 12 ways stress negatively affects your brain. Some brain-related stress symptoms like memory loss, brain fog, anxiety, and worry will be obvious to you. But most of the effects of stress discussed below are behind the scenes. When stress becomes chronic, it changes your brain down to the level of your DNA. And if you don't know what DNA is, please look that up because it's basic biology. Your DNA is found in every nucleus of every cell of every inch of your body. You won't notice these changes while they're happening, but you'll notice the side effects eventually. Number one, stress creates free radicals that kill your brain cells. It's not the weed that you're smoking that's killing your brain cells. It is definitely the stress. Cortisol creates a surplus of the neurotransmitter glutamate. While glutamate is a necessary and important brain chemical, in excess it turns your brain it turns against your brain and becomes a neurotoxin, which means bad. Glutamate creates free radicals, unattached oxygen molecules that attack brain cells in much way that oxygen attacks metal, causing it to rust. These free radicals are also known to cause Alzheimer's and dementia. Side note, um, free radicals actually punch holes in the brain walls, causing them to rupture and die. Stress also indirectly contributes to other lifestyle habits that create more free radicals. If stress causes you to lose sleep, eat junk food, drink too much alcohol, or in my case, some days I smoke a nice cigarette, know that these unhealthy habits are adding to your free radical load. So in other words, get rid of your stress and maybe it'll be a little easier for you to smoke a cigarette. Just a side note. Stress makes you forgetful and emotional. Memory problems may be one of the first signs of stress that you'll notice. Misplaced keys or one of my favorites. I walk into a room and can't remember why I went there. Or what I needed from that room until I walk back out and turn right back around because, aha. If you find that all the stress is making you more emotional too, there's a physiological reason for this. Studies show that when you're stressed, electrical signals in the brain associated with factual memories weaken while areas in the brain associated with emotions strengthen. Stress creates a vicious cycle of fear and anxiety. Stress actually fortifies an area of your brain called the amygdala. This is your brain's fear center. Stress increases the size, activity level, and number of neural connections in this part of the brain. This makes you more fearful, causing a vicious cycle of even more fear and stress. Again, not all people who are paranoid are paranoid because, because they are paranoid because their DNA is jacked up because of stress. So before you judge someone on their mental health, please assess yourself and if you can help that person because chances are they don't know that they have changed and again like I said earlier 
it's gonna take more than just one day of saying I'm done and making changes. Lifelong changes and commitments take practice, just like learning how to play football or basketball or the piano. Stress halts the production of new brain cells. Every day you lose brain cells, but every day you also have that brain derived neurotrophic factor, or BDNF, is a protein that's integral in keeping existing brain cells healthy and in stimulating new brain cell formation. It's often linked to fertile, or it's often like fertilizer for the brain. The protein is required to make brain cells. But cortisol, again, cortisol is the hormone from stress, halts the BDNF production, resulting in fewer new brain cells being formed. Lowered levels of BDNF are associated with brain-related conditions including depression, obsessive-compulsive disorder, schizophrenia, dementia, and Alzheimer's disease. Number five, stress depletes critical neurotransmitters. Your brain cells communicate via chemicals called neurotransmitters. Constant stress reduces levels of critical neurotransmitters, especially serotonin and dopamine. Which, again, is why if you or a loved one is prescribed medication for depression, anxiety, PTSD, schizophrenia, or bipolar, you need to make sure that you and that loved one are on a medication regimen and that you or your loved one is actually taking your medication. Because of the fact that constant stress is depleting your neurotransmitters. So that serotonin and the dopamine that you're getting from your psych meds is trying to help regulate and give you the chemicals that you need to form new neurotransmitters. There is a reason why if you are depressed or have PTSD, or anxiety, or whatever else, and are given and prescribed medication, that's the reason. You're not making neurotransmitters on your own. Low levels of either of these neurotransmitters can leave you depressed and more prone to addictions or, side note, suicide. I don't know how many kids I've seen come into the unit where I was working. And some of them even attempted. I had a couple with gunshot wounds. I had one jump off a building. All because they're stressed out by life. And it's not okay. It's not okay for adults to be overly stressed out to the point they want to take their life either. Because suicide is not an option. And I want to talk to you about that for a minute. Because before you ever think about what gives me the right to talk to you on a personal level like this, I need you to understand that back in 2009 when I was going through everything I thought was the end of my life, I tried to take my life. And that's how I know, one, that there is a God. I know he is real because he saved me. I took several handfuls of rat poisoning. The pellets that you buy for rats. And I drank tequila on top of it. And the only thing I remember, because I was supposed to go to work, and I decided I wasn't going, and I went back home, was that I told the guy that I was with at the time, 
that he needed to call the ambulance because I took rat poison. And if I remember right, because 2009 is a long time ago, I may have even made the phone call, but I just remember the ambulance coming. And honestly, at that time, my daughters were home. My sisters were at my house. He had his nieces and nephews there. And all I could do in this moment was think about how I wanted to die. When there were actually people who loved me and relied on me in that house, not knowing how I felt. And honestly, that wasn't the first attempt, but that was the last attempt. And that was when it became crystal clear that I was not meant to die for a reason. And neither are you. Your life is way too more important. And if you have no one out here to love you, then you love yourself. And you make the most of this life that you have for yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, you're not going to let anyone else love you. Because you won't know what love looks like. Alright. So please, if you're struggling with suicide, you need to call 911 and get help. You can call the Behavioral Health Resource Line, the BHR. You can Google that. I don't have it right in front of me. I can pull that up here just a second. That suicide hotline is 1-800-273-55. They will help you. There is a BHR phone number um, for the St. Louis area. I know it works because my daughter told them one day that she was feeling suicidal because her and I were into it. And they called the ambulance and came and picked her up. And because... She was not 18 at that time. Um, I was still able to tell them where I wanted her to go. And we always use Centerpoint Hospital. And this is because that's one of the better facilities in my mind at least. But, um, yeah. So, please, get help. Please. Because if no one else cares about you, know that I do. And I have told some of the kids on my unit that before too because we got kids that were homeless whose parents were in and out of jail so they're in the system and I want you to know that I want you to know that if no one else cares about you I do so please get the help that you need Constant stress reduces levels of critical neurotransmitters, especially serotonin and dopamine. Low levels of either of these neurotransmitters can leave you depressed and more prone to addictions. Serotonin is dubbed the happy molecule. It plays a large role in mood, learning, appetite, control, and sleep. Women low in serotonin are prone to depression, anxiety, and binge eating. Men, on the other hand, are more prone to alcoholism, have ADHD, and impulse control disorders. A lot of the young men that we had on the unit also had oppositional defiance disorder, meaning that they did not take anyone's direction whatsoever most of the time it was in their nature to be defiant but there again no one knows exactly what the home life is your mental health is based on three different components genes environment
and there's a third one. I'll have to look it up, but I can't remember that right off. And situation, but environment's the same thing. But there are three, and I will get back to you on that. Dopamine is known as the motivation molecule. It's in charge of your pleasure reward system. Too little dopamine can leave you unfocused, unmotivated, lethargic, and depressed. People low in this brain chemical often use caffeine, sugar, alcohol, and illicit drugs to temporarily boost their dopamine levels. Serotonin-based depression is characterized by anxiety and irritability, while dopamine-based depression expresses itself as lethargy and lack of enjoyment of life. Number six, stress puts you at greater risk for mental illness of all kinds. Recent research has discovered physical differences in the brains of people with stress disorders. Chronic stress puts you at increased risk for developing a variety of mental illnesses, including anxiety and panic disorders, depression, PTSD, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, drug addiction, and alcoholism. Number seven, stress makes you stupid. Ever study for a test that you just know that you're going to ace because that's all you've done is study and study and study and you know the material forwards, backwards, sideways. And then the day of the test, you freeze like a light hit the deer's eyes at that perfect moment in the dark and you're about to hit them. Stress can cause your brain to seize up at the worst possible times, such as exams, job interviews, and public speaking. This is actually a survival mechanism. If you're faced with a life and death situation, instinct and subconscious impulse overwhelm rational thought and reasoning. This might keep you from being killed in an encounter with a tiger, but in modern life, this is rarely helpful. Stress impairs your memory and makes you bad at making decisions. That's why it is said that do not do anything on impulse and wait a while and think before you respond and act. Because if it is a stressful event in the First thing you think of is to either take your life or, you know, maybe someone else's or to, I don't know, do something irrational and out of your character because you're feeling too stressed out, then that's a red flag for you and you need to stop like in your tracks, stop and take a minute and think and breathe and we will talk about coping skills and things like that as well because those are helpful and maybe you don't know that simply playing a video game for a couple hours or reading a book or taking a walk or drawing and painting or playing with your kids and teaching them how to build something or you build something. That's why people have workshops or used to. Um, because having things that occupy your time and fill your mind helps keep that stress away. It's not saying this situation is not important. I don't want to deal with it. I know for me, mine's work. So if I throw myself into work, I'm able to think about things a little clearer because one, I have to think about work and two, I can think in my mind knowing one, I don't have the means to do anything at this time because I'm and two, what's my best approach? So I can think about a hundred and one million different scenarios Normally, they're all the bad ones first before I come to at least two or three that I know I can actually try out that may work. We make change. Excuse me. The first 
10 tries may not work, but that 11th one, maybe you switched up something. Maybe, you know, you chose to do it at a different time or chose to do something else, but it actually worked and helped. And that's what life's all about is finding what works and helps for you to maintain a healthy life. Stress impairs your memory and makes you bad at making decisions. It negatively impacts virtually every cognitive skill you rely on to get through the day, including your ability to pay attention. Remember, solve problems, make decisions, and think critically. Whenever we are stressed out, it is hard to think. And therefore, we need to try to de-escalate our mind before we focus on what we can do to change, if anything, the situation for the better. Stress stink or shrinks your brain, excuse me. Stress can measurably shrink your brain, but stress does stink too. So, you know, I wasn't all wrong. Cortisol can kill, shrink, and stop the generation of new neurons in the hippocampus, the part of your brain that stores memories. The hippocampus is critical for learning, memory, and emotional regulation, as well as shutting off the stress response after a stressful event is over. Stress also shrinks the prefrontal cortex. This negatively affects decision-making, working memory, and impulse control. Number nine, stress lets toxins into your brain. Your brain is highly sensitive to toxins of every kind. The blood-brain barrier is a group of highly specialized cells that act as your brain's gatekeeper. The semi-permeable filter protects the brain from harmful substances while letting needed nutrients into your brain. Stress makes the blood-brain barrier more permeable, in effect making it leaky. This lets substances into the brain that you don't want there, such as pathogens, heavy metals, chemicals, and neurotoxins of all kind. The heavy metals, again, can be linked to Alzheimer's. Clearly, this is not desirable. Stress increases your risk of dementia and Alzheimer's. Hmm. One of the most worrying effects of stress on the brain is that it increases your risk for dementia and Alzheimer's. Being diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease is now the number one health fear of American adults. So, what do we do about that? Alzheimer's is also the sixth, number six, cause of death. One in three U.S. seniors will die with Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia and is the most expensive disease in the country. And there is no simple magic bullet to prevent Alzheimer's. Common sense advice includes eating healthy. Um, That includes low sugar and high brain healthy fats. Getting physical exercise. Not smoking. Staying mentally active. Avoiding toxic metal exposure. Managing underlying health concerns such as diabetes and hypertension. And minimizing stress. Stress leads to hypertension, so it's all one big vicious circle. Your brain is tied, again, to every organ in your body. And it is the most important organ, not your heart, sorry heart physicians, but your brain. It's been found that stress, particularly stress that occurs in midlife, increases your risk of Alzheimer's. But if you're young... And you're listening to this, get a handle on your stress now. So then whenever you turn 55, you can have the best life that you planned at 25 because you learned how to handle your stress. Midlife occurrence of anxiety, jealousy, and moodiness doubles your risk of developing Alzheimer's. So, again, get that jealousy out of the way. 
women. If he ain't into you, he just ain't into you. There's however many billion of men in the sea. Same way, guys, if that woman just isn't up to your standards, keep on moving. Jealousy is ridiculous. You shouldn't be in love and be jealous of who is seeing your woman or your guy. Because if you're in love, then you should already know that your woman or your guy isn't going to go nowhere because y'all in love. If it's real love, nobody can come between it if it's real love. Now, if it's that puppy dog love and you're just a side piece, everything's fair game then. Just saying. Chronic stress and elevated cortisol contributes to dementia in the early or in the elderly and hastens its progression. Stress causes brain cells to commit suicide. This is fact number 11, and it is very true. Stress leads to premature aging on a cellular level, causing cells in your body and your brain to commit suicide prematurely. So whether or not you already feel that you should end your life, your body and your brain is already doing that for you. So again, if you really feel suicidal, please get help because it's not a joke. People die from suicide every day. And with what's going on in the world today, the suicide rates have climbed. Let me look that up for you too real quick. As of April 8th, 2020, the U.S. suicide rate has jumped 35% in the past two decades. Um, But that doesn't give me the information on Corona. However, 35% is a lot. (sighs) To understand how... Stress causes brain cells to die. We need to take a look at a part of your chromosomes called telomeres. You may recall from high school biology that when a cell divides, it passes on the genetic material to the new cell via chromosomes. Telomeres are protective end caps on our chromosomes similar to the plastic tips on a shoelace. And I do remember this from my biology class. And if you go to BeBrainFit.com, you can see they have some illustrations for you. Every time a cell divides, the telomeres get a little shorter. When they reach a critical shortened length, they tell the cell to stop dividing, acting as a built-in suicide switch. Subsequently, the cell dies. Shortened telomeres lead to the atrophy of brain cells while longer telomeres links leads to the production of new brain cells and atrophy means death of brain cells non-regeneration nothing new they're just done telomere length may be the most important indicator of biological age and disease risk Some researchers believe it's a better predictor of your risk for age-related diseases like Alzheimer's, heart disease, diabetes, and cancer than conventional diagnostic tools. So if you have one suffering from Alzheimer's and dementia, maybe you need to go get their DNA tested and, you know, figure out some things if you haven't already. A little-known fact is that the brain has its own immune system. Special immune cells called microglia protect the brain and spinal cord from infections and toxins. Unfortunately, microglia go on or off switch, so once it is activated, it creates inflammation for the rest of its lifespan. 
Chronic stress is one of those factors that increases the risk of activating your microglia, thus producing brain inflammation. It's generally believed that depression is caused by serotonin deficiency, but there is a growing body of evidence that brain inflammation may be the root cause of depression instead. This theory is called the cytokine model of depression. Activated microlingia produce cytokines, proteins that turn on the inflammation response in the brain. Cytokine production is linked to depression, including major depressive disorder and increased thoughts of suicide. It's also associated with anxiety, memory loss, and inability to concentrate, as well as some serious mental disorders such as schizophrenia, Parkinson's, and Alzheimer's. Did you know that stress destroys your happiness? To top it all off, you just learned that stress kills your brain and yourself pretty much. You still may be moving, but face it, you have cells that are dying every day. On top of that, stress destroys your happiness and peace of mind. It wears you down mentally and emotionally and slaps the joy from your face. Some side effects of stress that negatively impact your overall mental outlook include excessive worry and fear, anger and frustration, impatience with self and others, mood swings, crying spells or suicidal thoughts. Again, if you are having suicidal thoughts or even thoughts of self-harm or harming yourself, please seek help and dial 911. Insomnia, nightmares, disturbing dreams, trouble concentrating and learning new information, racing thoughts and nervousness, forgetfulness and mental confusion, difficulty in making decisions, feeling overwhelmed, irritability and overreaction to petty annoyances, excessive defensiveness or suspicion, increased smoking, alcohol or drug use, gambling or impulse buying, and for some of us... Heightened sexual tendencies. And that will be a whole nother topic later on. In short, chronic stress leads to a bleak mental health outcome. But there is plenty you can do to reduce or eliminate stress from your life. So we are going to talk about the six steps to protect your brain from stress. Stress is an unavoidable part of life. But minimizing stress and protecting your brain against its effect is easier than you might think. Eat antioxidant-rich food. Stop free radical damage by eating a diet high in antioxidant-rich foods like fruits, vegetables, dark chocolate, and green tea. Now, I am one, and I will do a segment on that later, too. I like herbs, um... Turmeric is a very good antioxidant. I take two of them a day, not every day. I can tell when my body needs that. I also drink water high in pH because our bodies are supposed to be alkaline and our intake and this environment that we live in is acidic and that does play a role as well. Um, I also eat kale and make my kids eat kale and drink smoothies. Exercise daily. Increase levels of brain-boosting BDNF by getting daily physical exercise. Exercise doesn't have to be strenuous. Walking is a good thing. So are exercises with a strong mind-body connection like yoga, tai chi, and Qui-Gon. I think I said that right. Also, it's good to meditate. Start a daily meditation practice. You can do it for 10 to 15 minutes a day, just sitting here and listening to whatever music makes you feel at peace. Right now, I have meditation music on while I do this, and that will always be in my background as I do podcasts. However, one of my things is 
I like to drive when I know I'm stressed out, but not overly stressed out to cause a wreck. And I turn up my music really high. Tupac is always going to be my husband that I missed out on. He still sings to me. He knows what I'm feeling. And so does Dayton family. So every now and then it's a bone thugs kind of day as well. And I may play more intro on my other shows. <sighs> Meditation not only reduces stress, it is also proven to keep your brain young by keeping telomeres long. Meditation is also the best tool for learning how to master your thoughts. Stress does not come from events in your life as much as it comes from your thoughts. Your automatic negative reactions and cognitive distortions about these events. So someone I love that I learned about whenever I was studying in my psychology classes is Albert Ellis. He had the ABC model. He said that if we could change the way we think, our actions, behaviors, and the responses would change. So if, say, for instance, before I went on any of my journeys and got help myself and helped myself, I honestly believed that I failed my daughters from protecting them against someone who sodomized and molested them. It happened on a week that my girls were with their father, but I blamed myself. Once I finally was able to reach a state of rationalization, I could not put that on myself because when I was not in the home, it was not my week to have my children, and I didn't know this man. I didn't let him in my house. The only thing I did do was abide by a court order stating that my children had to go with their father every other week. That's what I was guilty of. But in my mind, it was like I did this to them. And that was not okay. But then, because I believe that, my depression, my anxiety, the whole outlook on life was different. I saw everybody as mean and cruel and I didn't trust people and if I did it always turned out to be the wrong people. So then my behavior became sometimes impulsive, sometimes I was hot-headed, sometimes I was always angry and I would react in anger or I'd make rational Decisions I thought were actually irrational decisions. And I would mess things up even more when that was not my true intention. But understanding that I had no control over what this man did. That yes, the event happened. Do I have to live the rest of my life feeling guilty? No. Do I make the most of what happened every day? Yes. And does my actions say that his actions were not okay? I disagree, but I have to move forward. Yes. Because if I do not move forward, no one else is going to be here for my daughters. If I don't move forward, I can't be 100% to whomever I try to love. And I can't be 100% to my daughters or to myself. So then my behaviors started to reflect the change of my beliefs on this event. And I'll discuss more about Albert Ellis later on as well. Herbal remedies are wonderful, like I said. They promote balance, make you feel energetic. Some good ones are ginseng. Again, I love turmeric, but you need to do your research on that. Because if you're taking over-the-counter medicine and your psych med, just be cautious that they don't have um, 
side effects that they don't intermingle with each other inappropriately and cause something worse. And then most importantly, nobody gets this, but getting plenty of sleep, it's during sleep that your brain consolidates memories, repairs itself, and grows new brain cells. So whatever the common thing is on sleep, whether it's eight to nine hours for whatever age group, if you're tired, go to bed. If you stay up all day, go to bed. You will learn that having adequate sleep will make you refreshed after doing it for several days and it'll make your mind clear and not as foggy. You will be able to remember things that you were not able to with the lack of sleep and you can't focus whenever you're not okay. That's the bottom line. So if you're not sleeping, you're not focusing. And I do understand that sleep is different for everybody. But don't cut yourself short on that. Because whatever you need to get done, Lord willing, he wakes you up in the morning and you can do it the next day. Or if it wasn't meant for you to get it done, then oh well. It wasn't meant for you to get it done. Life still goes on. And maybe it wasn't meant for you at that time. But life still goes on. The main takeaway that I hope you get from this segment today is that stress is killing you. Literally killing you. And some of the things that you need to do in order to de-stress your life is, again, find coping skills. Find support systems and find inner peace. Work on the things that you do not like about yourself and really work on them. Again, that takes time and practice, but together we can figure that out. And together we free. I hope you guys have a blessed evening and thank you for listening to me. This is Liz with River City Revival. Shalom.